Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert uh, the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. This is the word of God. We are um, going to go slowly through this book. So you will hear things repeated. And that's good because Paul repeats a lot of things in this and he begins to flesh it out. And so we're probably going to spend like two sermons per chapter Um, to give you a better opportunity to have this central truth impact your life. So bear with me. This is an intro, and we're going to just weave our way through it. Now, Galatians, just to give you some background, was originally a letter, even though you have in your Bible the book of Galatians. It was sent to as a letter, passed around and read to a number of new churches and their leaders, churches and leaders in Galatia, which is uh, modern-day Turkey with Iran and Iraq uh, to its east and the Mediterranean and some of the Grecian Isles um, to its uh, west. Now, Galatia was part of the Roman Empire and at the time was the place of Paul, the writer's original missionary journey. And so in this letter uh, to the churches, the, the, these are churches that were planted, started, put in place by Paul. Now, today this letter is called a book, but, but I want you to know that this teachy book, this kind of sit down and learn some things book, is a letter of deepest pastoral care and concern of some mess that was going on. Now today I'm going to give you a short overview of where and why we are um, being taken in this book of Galatians. In this introduction of the letter, we will actually get the topics of discussion that will be fleshed out later as we go through the book. So though we won't get to everything today, uh, we will definitely get something we need to be able to proceed in all things um, this book has to give us. Let me take you back into the world of the church some 50 years or less after Christianity's Lord and founder Jesus has been crucified, buried, and bodily risen from the dead. Now he's ascended into heaven. With Christianity considered back then by most and many as a, well, it was kind of a, considered as a cultic, uh, a hippie version or denomination of Judaism. And, and for that reason, the Jewish religion world, which is one of many religions in ancient Rome, it found itself reeling for identity, 
for that realness, you know, for that purity that was lost or yet to be found. And, and Jesus' apostles were, were bringing in non-Jews by the hundreds and, and by the thousands. And in the minds of some Jews, these Gentiles were half-bred, uncouth, non-cultured wannabes. And Paul then was the apostle of the wannabe, wannabes, which, which would have made him and his message a wannabe apostle and message. This Christianity to the Jewish leaders was simply the newest little brother of Judaism still needing its diaper changed, if you will. You know, still goo-gooing and gagaing in the context of an ancient and old and, and grown-up history from Abraham and Moses and David. And so this new brand of Gentile Christianity causing such a stink, devout Jews thought it was their place to clean it up, to purify it, to bring it back to center. These Christian Jews, to to help it, and Gentile non-Jews that is, to help them connect to the deeper truths, to to Moses and Abraham and all those guys. Because... If In their minds, if you want to be in relationship with the God of the Jews, you needed to do it right. With following the Old Testament legal regulations. You know, get circumcised. And, and, and only then they believe were you really gods. If the issue with Christianity begins with dealing with this new, come-lately hothead, thinks he's all of that, apostle to the Gentiles, Paul. So with Paul being the founding pastor of these churches in Galatia, having brought these people into the faith, as you can imagine, a tussle engaged, a fight. A fight I would describe, a fight over M and M's. What do I mean? A fight over the truth of the messenger and the truth of their message. And so why fight over M&M's? Because in the M&M's, the hope of all humanity is at stake. I think even in our age, in our churches, we have become, what, haters of doctrine and orthodoxy. Or because not many of us have truly taken the time to go deep in these areas, we are at least afraid of those words. Doctrine, theology, Orthodoxy. You know, when you say those words, you can just feel the joy and life being drained out of us when we are subjected to those deep doctrinal arguments. But let me tilt it this way, the way, Gen- the way Galatians tilts it. In the doctrine, theology, and orthodoxy of the messenger whom we are listening to, and the message, the why and the what they are saying is life or death, joy or sorrow, light or darkness. So why fight over M&Ms? Why get into doctrine and theology and all that stuff? Because if left up to us, left alone, you know what? We aren't good enough or smart enough, you know, or cool or free. All I need is Jesus enough to, or excellent enough to navigate. All I want it to be gray and mysterious. We can't navigate that stuff well enough. And you know what ends up happening? We will spiritually destroy and demean and maim ourselves and each other. 
for your sake, for their sake back then, for a broken and fallen and dark and uncertain world in ourselves and around us, by all means, then, let's fight over. I mean, let's rather, not fight, like boxing, but let's get serious about the M&Ms, the message and messengers of the gospel. So there's two reasons we'll be introduced to here in the, in the first nine verses for why we should get serious about it. First, because the, because the messenger gives the source of our belief. And secondly, because the message is the stuff of our belief. Now let me tell you, when I say belief, Meaning how and why, uh, mean, mean, when I say belief, rather, I am not talking just about intellectual, uh, intellectual nod. And yeah, I kind of mentally hear that, it clicks, no. But belief, meaning how and why we live this life. What you do, how and what you do it and say it, how you say it and play it and, and live it the way you do. Belief meaning why you live. Why do you get up in the morning or why are you able to sleep at night? Belief meaning how you really live with each other and how and why you live with a God who has created you. You know, why you move or stay or bow or sing or say yes or no or go or or go slower because of him. And it is belief that crucially hinges on the messenger who's the source of our belief. Paul starts off the letter, Paul, an apostle. And when I first read this, I kind of read it like that, you know, Paul, an apostle, because it had a little comma in there. When I first read it, it sounded like Bond. James Bond. <laughs> I think that's the right kind of thinking. Paul is rightly saying, don't get me confused with Paul Jenkins, you know, or Paul Smith down the street. No, Paul an apostle. And then he explains what it means to be an apostle here, which, which he says, uh, which, which is this, that he is called and empowered by Jesus himself, that he saw Jesus and Jesus sent him to do his work. And thus, as the scripture says here, he's not sent from men or by any man. And what it does is it gives validity to not only all that will be said, but to the one saying it. One tactic, one crucial point of what you'll see happening in Galatians throughout this book is that you will see is who, here's the question, who is saying what they are saying and who are they to be saying it? Where did they come from? And we'll get into more of the biographical validity of this Apostle Paul later in another sermon. But I want you to understand that the messenger is as the letter shows us. The point, the source, the place where the belief is told us. Paul the Apostle Paul came to Galatia. They saw him. They heard his voice. They ate and sat down with him. He laid his hands on the elders. And he is saying to them, trust me. Validate me because I saw Jesus. Jesus spoke to me. Jesus sent me to you. And he adds this. Jesus, the one God, see, he's got to be so careful here. You know, Jesus, the one God raised from the dead, he says. Not bar Jesus, and that's somebody who showed up in Acts, you know, bar Jesus, this kind of crazy guy who was telling the future. Okay, anyway, not bar Jesus, not Jesus Jones, 
Not Jesus Washington, not even the pre-resurrection Jesus, but the resurrected back from the grave Jesus said, Paul, you are an apostle. Go to it. Go do it. Go speak it. Go write it. And then he adds, and all the brothers here with me. Now, I want you to understand, in other words, for those who need to know that I am not a psycho that sat in his room and one day heard Jesus or thought I heard Jesus or, you know, any kind of mind altering anything I could have been taken. No, you know, there are other Jesusites, other apostles with me. I can speak to you in this way. I have authority, Paul is saying. The word author is in the word authority. I am writing belief to you. I am speaking belief to you. I preached belief. I am your earthly source of that belief. I'm going to get a little deeper on source in a minute. I got an email, like many of you do, with some craziness. I don't know if you're here today, but I took it seriously. Because, you know, it said, Pastor Brown, it didn't have one of them chain things or, you know, make your woman happy. It wasn't one of those, you know, one of those things, you know. And it, it was, you know, topic was the gospel, question mark. And so I took it serious because it was topic and it said my name in the salutation and I read it. And being a pastor and all, not knowing who is coming into Christ Central and what's going on, I read it. And sure, it started out with some real foolishness, y'all, you know. Y'all get them letters about Jesus not being God and how it was wrong and all this. And immediately, what did I do? I scanned down to the bottom of the letter. And there it was. Sincerely, Patrick. Who? Patrick. That's it. No last name, just Patrick. Not St. Patrick. Patrick. And I thought, okay, then that's it. Then that's all for me. I mean... I would have taken it more seriously if it had said Patrick, pastor of, or more serious, Patrick, pastor of whatever PCA, my denomination, or even more so, immediately concerning if it said Patrick Hoskins, who's not here today, a member of our church. But, or Patrick, I visited your church, but just Patrick? So what? <laughs> Delete. And then I had an attachment and I opened that and see, who is this person? Let me get some biography. Who, who are you talking? you doing wrong, Pastor Brown. Sincerely, Patrick. Not Patrick and Apostle. Not Patrick Bond. Bond, Patrick Bond. Nothing. The source is important. And I didn't bother to read the content of this long letter until I scan for some biography. The writer's authority is important. The messenger's authority is central to whether the letter even should be taken halfway seriously, you know, whether that person even needs to be corrected. And so Paul is saying against those who would attack the first M and M and M, I am Paul, Apostle Paul, at least begin to listen to what I say, because in this case, the Lord talked to me. Let me say it again, because this is where the messenger's validity is most important. The Lord, 
I've said it, the Lord Jesus, God of the universe, the one who raised, God who raised him from the dead, God of the universe, come in the flesh, resurrected, talked to me. I mean, Paul takes his validity only as a transfer validation of who is most important. He is saying, I am a primary mirror of the real thing. Paul is saying, listen to me, because through me is who you really need to hear from. Who is the real meaning, original source of your belief? The voice of God. God, Jesus, the creator of the universe, the redeemer of the universe is talking to you. Or at the very least, maybe talking to you. And we have it right here, don't we? Look at verse 3. It says, grace and peace to you. From who? God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace from who? From God the Creator. Yes, you Jewish Christians, the Jewish God, the Christian God, the one and only says, hello. I mean, the one who can grant grace and peace, because, you know, when we say peace, we just hold up the sign. No, he is saying the one who can actually make peace happen with his words and offers it through his action says, hello. But, but more, in other words, the source of your faith, your belief, your life is talking to you. He has a message for you. Why fight over Eminem? Because we need to know and believe and should find out is God speaking to me here? Is Jesus talking to me? Is the one who created me the only one who can fix me? Is he talking? And if Paul was an apostle just like he says then the chances are more, more so yes. And look how Paul further affirms this in verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting what? The one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, of course, we're, 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 Paul is, is what you think about. But when you dig deeper here, it was God whom you stopped believing. When and if you stop believing in me. Trust me, the apostle. Have faith in me as a messenger of God only so that you may hear clearly the one whom Paul says in verse 2, to whom be glory forever and ever. Not me, the one I speak for. He has spoken to you and that is good news. That is why this thing is called the good news because God has spoken. And if it involves my Paul's validity, the validity of my authorship and authority, it is worth for your and my sake fighting for and searching for and making sure of and growing in. As we live, and as we live today without any apostles, we must ask, any living apostles, we must ask, we we must be assured through the one teaching us and speaking to us that they speak with the authority only as they say what the apostles have written, only then what they, the apostles, have heard God saying. Because only God, only Jesus through them speaks what is true and real and life-giving. Never stop asking or wondering and beyond just being critical. I'm not talking about being critical, but even thanking God, living and trusting. Just being, living and trusting in the good news that as the word is preached and taught 
from what the apostles and the prophets wrote in the Bible that God, Jesus, is speaking to you. He's speaking to our world. He is not quiet. With ultimate authority, ultimate and final authority is the truth of what is written before you today. Yes, because of real earthly validations. And we'll get to that later in this book of ordination, examination, and education. All that goes with it. That the one who speaks has been given authority to do so. And the thing he speaks from is the word of God given by the apostles. And the one who told the apostles is the one who spoke the world into existence. The word of God. God speaking to you. It means something. But that's one of the M's in M and M. Paul flips the script here. Look with me at verse 8. He says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said so, now I say it again. If anyone is preaching you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. And we'll come back to some earlier verses, but let's jump down here for a minute. Paul is saying, yes, the validation of the person is important. The one who says he speaks from God, but even an angel. Now, that's one whom, throughout the Bible, you know, if you got an angel in the Bible, they're normally speaking for God. You know, show Mary, you know, don't be afraid. I bring you tidings of great joy. Or Abraham, or who at Moses, or, or even, even just angels showing up talking. He's saying, even if those folk that you read in your Bible show up to you, you know, touched by an angel, if, if Delary show up in your house, ask her to give a donation. No, <laughs> if Delary show up at your house with a glow around her, go see your doctor. No, but. If an angel comes, one who lives in the very presence of God, and before that he said, even we, that the apostles. Now, after hyping his apostolic office up, he says, even if I come with some different message than what you heard, now I'm not trying to cuss here, but they go straight to hell. Let them go there. Let them be eternally condemned. Remember, judges? How that word, that Hebrew word, harim, I mean, kill everything. I mean, just it, cut them down. Let them be judged most severely by God. Paul ain't playing. We shouldn't play either. And with that, with him saying it like that, it is safe to say or understand that not only for the messenger is it worth fighting for or living for, but the message as well. The contrary to popular belief, the details of the message matter to our belief. And if to our belief, to our life, and if to our world, to our very existence, and all we have to do is go back to even as he's proving himself as a, as a valid messenger, don't you see Paul is weaving the details um, through this text? Look at verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle, sent for men and not for men. Now he's talking about himself here. But what? Here, here's the details. But by Jesus Christ and God the Father, what? Who raised him from the dead. The resurrection. 
the details. And then in verse verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The crucifixion to take away our sins, the resulted grace and peace. He says grace and peace to you in verse 3. Now understand when he says grace and peace, he is weaving a very crucial part of the details. He is saying grace and peace that Jesus gives through what? His death and resurrection. Now understand that for this, his life, death, and resurrection to be granting grace and peace, it means that Jesus, now the details are there. What is he saying? Grace and peace to you from God the Father, our Lord Jesus. Um, He is saying that God has given you grace and peace, undeserved, right standing, peace between you and God and others through forgiveness of sins. I mean, just in introducing himself. He's given us the details of the gospel just in the salutation and he'll go deeper into the gospel later, of course, in this letter, in this book. But Paul is giving us the details. He's saying, and from what we have learned, God is saying, these are the details that matter. This is what he, God, Jesus is saying and has said. And he goes on to say in verse six that without these things, it is another gospel. Without these details, another message of God's salvation to mankind, and then and then the messenger, it, it, it's it, it's it's if it's not the gospel, it is destructive. It is damnation to you. It is not just a harmless mess up, but setting themselves as teachers of what God has said. It is hellish. It burns you. It will hurt you. It will damage you. And so when he talks about there are people among you, I'm astonished or deceived. Galatians is not just Christianity 101, but this is remedial Christianity 101. Because the details have been messed up and perverted. They do, they're trying to do calculus, they don't know how to do long division yet. You know? They're trying to do multiplication, don't know how to subtract yet. It's just, something's messed up in the details. They gotta go back and undo some things, and that's what's going on here. The details Matter, okay? Let me say it. Doctrine matters. We don't like to hear that. Doctrine matters. Back then, you didn't just say, Jesus. Jesus who? who? Who's that? You mean, brother down the street? Reading palms? That guy? Doctrine matters. Jesus, okay, you said his name. What's that supposed to Just give me Jesus. What's that mean? You mean the one who rose from the grave? Did he have to rise bodily? I mean, all that, what? Does that matter? So as soon as you start getting it out, you've just gotten some serious doctrine. And these simple truths, theology matters. Orthodoxy, that is moving toward a, a more clear understanding of what God's saying in the word and even how we live it, that stuff matters. There's a reason why Dan got to go to school for three or four years. Because that's that we believe that stuff matters. And I hope, you know, one of him, me, I did it, talking in class. Yes, professor, but blah, 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 blah. And it's like, sorry, young man, that's not true. Sometimes you got to get called out a little bit. All kind of folk, well, you know, I think, blah, 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 in class. And nope, cut that off. Or, no, it wasn't like that. Brother, let's have lunch together. Then you go to the office and they tell you up. They come out loving in class, so you get in that office, start talking to, okay, anyway, 
the details in the message are worth it. They mean something. You know how much I, I've heard, I thank you, and, and I am hoping that it, what you say sometimes is an outworking of God's work happening in me through God's spirit. But you know, you hear, and, and, and not only me, but I hear it of other pastors, especially guys starting new urban churches. Man, they're so real. Thank you. you they're so authentic. They're so down to earth. And again, I hear the same thing from other growing churches. Their pastors, their preachers are so real, so authentic, or they're so loving, or they're so nice. I mean, they're cool. That's an important trait. They care about justice and goodness and the poor, and they are just so easygoing. And in some traditions, man, that brother could really preach. Woo! It seems so engaging and exciting. I can stay awake. Paul is saying, go to sleep if the details aren't right. Oh, authenticity and realness, that's great, y'all. I see play, I like watching a preaching channel. That's my little entertainment thing. I learn some things and I laugh at some things. Now, I shouldn't be laughing. I should be crying. I do cry. Well, maybe I don't. Sometimes I just laugh. Help me, God. Anyway. I, I mean, there, there's some gifted people out there. They can weave a story. Woo! They good. Never forgetting one of our churches. I'm going to say our churches because I consider it not PCA, but a church out there. They had, you know, a guest from the Nation of Islam come speak. My friend, who's a seminary grad, went to school with me, said this leader of the Nation of Islam, Farrakhan, preached the best message on the fall from Genesis he'd ever heard. What? Brother can preach. But by the end of the thing, he was talking, like he had people going, yeah, amen, yeah! Then he just dropped this little tidbit. Now you know Joseph got Mary pregnant. Yeah, all right, yeah. But man, he's all about justice and mercy. For black people, just just go along with it. Had the preachers of the gospel praying to Allah at the end of the service. Forget the cool looking vision and music of what's being saying, or how well the excitement and, and sweat and yelling. It is the message of grace and peace for the messenger God Himself. Is it that? Man, go hit a boring guy if the details are right. This is how the Mormon church got started. You know, some angel came down with how they do themselves, describe it with another gospel, right? The other. I mean, so clear. What? Let's see, Paul. Let's see. Let me, let me read it again, y'all. Y'all help me if I'm wrong now. Our, I'm astonished you so quickly, deserting one who called you by the grace of Jesus Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Then verse 8, but if, if even we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. I swear the commercial said something about the other gospel. Even if an angel comes. Which Paul says, if Jesus Satan's brother as they teach and you will get on a planet one day, the details ain't right. I don't care who's saying it. 
or how many folk knock on your door. It ain't right. More times than not, from what we learn in Scripture, God teaches us a lot through family members who believe in him. That's what it means in part to be covenant. I am all for it. We baptize babies because we believe they are peculiar to God's great plan of grace. And they hear grace and they're taught it. And we believe that stuff's effectual. We believe that they're set apart to God in a special way. And yes, parents are central to that. Parents are the preachers. Parents are, let me be careful with this word now, apostles to the kids. They bring it first. Now, apostles mean they don't be seeing Jesus and all that. Don't get me wrong. Truth passed on to generation to generation that declares and keeps the heritage of God being with us, that's good. But Paul is saying, even if grandmama said it, or daddy said it, or the family pastor said it, by that authority, listen. Yeah, listen to him. But if the details are not grace and peace and through Jesus Christ alone, Run, eat your potato salad and your fried chicken. But don't listen to it. Problem for many is we have lived in the community and justice and experience of church world. So many of us don't know the details. I'm becoming more convinced, especially this generation. We, 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 we a generation, we didn't go to do the Sunday school thing every week because you had to. Or you did have to, and now you don't want to. I know how that is. You got forced. Put this on, boy. Put your tie on. Go. Got to listen to 80-year-old Miss Whoever. Talk about Noah again. <laughs> you know, y'all did a teen thing, washing cars, raising money, going on mission trips. But we don't know the details. We ain't study. We don't really know what the Bible says. This is a dangerous time, y'all. If these are the words of life and you're missing it, what? We don't know what the Bible says. We should be compelled. I should compel you to read and learn what it says and what it means and what it says. We are a hoodwinkable generation because we are biblically and gospelly illiterate. We don't know stuff. The stuff matters. But we got love. That's good. Oh, that's great. You benefit from the grace and love of God and his community. That is awesome. I'm all for that. We, you know, we can get together and grill chicken and, and, and eat well, whatever. That's good. But we don't know anything, man. I could tell you some stuff up here and we'd be believing it. The details matter to the message that can save and change your life and your world. Now we'll get into why later and deeper and all that stuff because you need to know that not only did God say this or speak this but did God really do this for us? Is this just a story? You know, that's not what I'm going to get to. It's a story. But that's nice, God. But I don't even know what you did. 
And Paul is weaving the details of the gospel and saying, I do this, I say this, you are his people, you are called to belief only because central to the details of the message that I, the messenger, give you is that God is saying that you, that to you that he is really the father and savior of mankind, that he really did this. That it really matters to your world and life that the details matter because as far whether, because as far as whether we should have hope from our deepest issues or problems, this thing has to be true. I mean, the details will say yes or no or almost or maybe to you being redeemed and saved and helped and changed and freed and having purpose. The good news of the Bible, the fact of its existence, the message is, message and messages, the M&M of its giving, say you don't have to live in the maybe or almost or no, but the yes of the good news that guess what? We are lost and broken and sinful and blind humanity and God, the Father, sent Jesus, God the Son to come in the flesh and live and die and rise again so that you and I and the world can be told and given and receive redemption through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, God's voice, God's redemption, God's grace and peace. What am I talking about? God's unearned, because it was earned by Jesus, rightness before God as we live in this world is the message that the messenger is giving you today. Right now. And if those details are not there, this is not the gospel. It's not just another version. It is not the good news. So here we go for the good news. In Galatia and in Charlotte and here at Christ Central Church, we're going to see why do we strive over the M&Ms? So... We can be truly and rightly and as thoroughly as possible fed and filled and comforted by the good, true, sweet, grace and peace filled M and M's. Because what Galatians teaches, these, this is God's message. And these were God's messengers. For your good. For his glory, for your redemption, by his redeemer, for your freedom, by his Lord, Savior, Jesus. The M&M's matter. We'll get into more of it as we go along. But remember this. What is Paul saying? I want to leave you with this. We are sinners. And God sent his son Jesus to live, die, and rise for real for you. This is the message that the apostle, the messenger, which now his words, the apostles writing God's words, are now in the scripture. The good news. The good news. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. 
that you have decided in your scripture to make a big deal about the messenger and the message. Because, Lord, the gospel is a big deal. It is a world-changing message and event. Help us to seek you in it. Motivate our hearts to to know, want to know and to know. Guard us, Lord. We need your help. Because we don't know it all and it's hard to see it all. Help us with our doctrine and our theology and our orthodoxy. Because, Lord, the scripture is the message of your love Help us to get a clearer picture of that, even in the sinful and fallen hearts and the sinful and fallen world. Shine through by your Holy Spirit. Right now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.